Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 15 of Genesis chapter 9. We're going to be reading from verse 24 of Genesis 9. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be Jehovah God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, as we were discussing in our last study, Noah is a picture of God the Father, God the Husbandman, who, after planting a vineyard, being a husbandman, producing the fruit, gathering the fruit, that's how uh, Noah could drink of the wine, the vineyard had to produce the grapes and and come to fruitfulness and and then wine could be made and, and then Noah drank of the wine and was asleep and we saw several verses in the psalms that show the picture of God as though he were asleep and then awakes to judgment and in Psalm 78, we also saw that picture of God awaking to judgment in connection with wine. And, and so Noah awaking from his wine is a type or a picture of God awaking to judgment. And we also see that we're told in Genesis 9.24, when he awoke, that he knew what his younger son had done unto him. Just as when God comes to judge, he knows all things. He knows who has covered his nakedness, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, and who has not covered his nakedness. God is fully aware of the sins of mankind. Just as Noah had this knowledge concerning who left him uncovered and the two sons that did cover him. And once Noah awakes and he possesses full knowledge of what his younger son had done unto him, then he pronounces a curse upon Canaan. And we've discussed why Canaan, because Canaan is a a figure of the corporate church, Ham is someone who identifies more with the world at large. Ham is the father of the Egyptians. He's the father of the Babylonians and the father of the Assyrians, nations of the world. And the world has no responsibility before God like a corporate body, Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament, had an obligation and responsibility 
to faithfully proclaim the word of God, and in faithfully proclaiming the word of God, the church would provide covering for the spiritual nakedness of mankind, or for God's elect amongst mankind. And and that's why Ham is not the object of the curse or or the target, the the recipient of the curse of Noah, but Canaan, as Canaan is in the line of Ham, and Canaan is a representation of those that have identification with the kingdom of God, and therefore responsibility to rightfully declare and, and, and to divide the word of God, to teach faithfully the things found in the Bible. But he fails to do this, or those in the corporate church fail to do this, and therefore they fail to cover the spiritual nakedness of God's elect scattered amongst the nation, the people, the nations of the world, and, and therefore they come under the curse, the judgment of God. And, and so Noah pronounces the curse upon Canaan and the blessing upon Shem and Japheth. And we'll go to Matthew 25. The Lord Jesus spoke a parable and it's a parable that teaches us about Judgment Day. In Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. The holy angels, the, the word angels, angelos or angeloi in the plural, is a word that really should be translated messengers. It's all the holy messengers, and the children of God, God's elect, are the holy messengers. And we know the Bible tells us when Christ comes in judgment, who does he come with? Ten thousands of his saints, that is, the complete number of his elect. And that's what's in view here. Christ comes in his glory, and all the holy messengers with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So, so far in verse 31, we're told Christ has come as the judge of the earth, and he's seated upon the throne of his glory. This is the judgment seat of Christ that we read about in Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, or in Romans chapter 14, or in Revelation chapter 20. The, the Ancient of Days is seated upon the judgment throne, the great white throne. And in Second Corinthians 5.10, we're told that we, and the plural pronoun we, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, in every case that it's used, and it's used multiple of times, is referring to God's elect. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the word appear is the same word translated as made or make manifest that's used to describe the demonstration of the Lord Jesus Christ entry into the world, the time of his ministry, all the way to the cross. It it is a word that indicates... 
um, a demonstration or a manifestation. It is the showing forth of something that's already accomplished, in other words. It, it is why Christ's whole life was a tableau. He, he was appearing like an actor on a stage that is showing forth a tale that has already been done maybe hundreds of years earlier, like, like Shakespearean plays. Shakespeare wrote his plays hundreds of years ago, but actors perform them today. And so Christ entered into the world and he demonstrated, he showed what took place at the foundation of the world when he was the lamb slain for the sins of his people. And and the Bible uses a word in a few places in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ to uh, describe this demonstration. And it is the Greek word phaneruo, which is Strong's number 5319. This word is used... Uh, to reveal to us that when Christ died on the cross, he was not making actual payment for sin, but was making manifest the payment already made at the foundation of the world in eternity past. And this Greek word, phaneruo, 5319, is the same word that we find in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And I'll turn there to read it, make sure I read it right. In 2 Corinthians 5, 10, For we must all appear, phaneruo, or again, be made manifest. We must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. And again, the plural pronoun we, and I would um, recommend to anyone to to go to 2 Corinthians 5 and look at every verse from verse 1, and you'll find we, 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 again and again. And in every case, not in most of them, but in every case, the plural pronoun we points to God's elect. And and could not be anyone else. The the statements are so definite and, and so clear in pointing to God's elect. And then we come to verse 10, and in every other verse, we has identified with God's elect, and then verse 10 makes uh, really this dramatic statement. We, God's elect, must all appear Thanaruo, be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what could this mean? What could this mean? When, when we search that word, Thanaruo, we find it's used again in, in association with the Lord Jesus Christ's appearance into the world as he went to the cross and and by God's grace, and only by God's grace and mercy, finally, at the end of time, when the Lord opened up the understanding of his people to much information that had previously been sealed up, we 
have begun to understand the actual atonement or payment for sin occurred at the foundation of the world, but a demonstration was performed in time when Jesus was born in 7 BC until he went to the cross in 33 AD. We have a right, proper understanding of that now, and and it's only because God has graciously opened up our understanding to that truth that we are then in a position, due to now understanding that information, where we can begin to understand how it's possible for God's elect to appear before the judgment seat of Christ in the day of judgment, of course. When else would we appear? This is the reason, by the way, that Jesus told James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, when they desired to sit on his right and on his left, first he asked them, shall you be baptized? And baptism has to do with the washing away of sin, which occurs when one is under the judgment of God. Shall ye be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And shall ye drink of the cup that I drink of? And they responded, yes, yes, we can be baptized with your baptism and drink of your cup. And then Christ said, yes, you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with and drink of my cup. And that baptism was spoken of in future tense to refer to a future time that only can be the time when the elect appear before the judgment seat and make demonstration exactly as Jesus made demonstration of things accomplished at the foundation of the world. That That is, that God's people are following so closely in the footsteps of Christ, that pattern, his, his example that he gave us, that as Jesus made a demonstration in time, it, it was worked out in actual history, so too are God's elect making demonstration in time, it's working out in actual history over the course of a prolonged judgment day period. But as Jesus made the uh, atonement or, or payment was made at the foundation of the world, no payment was made in 33 AD. That was only the demonstration. But the actual payment or baptism of Christ occurred, took place at the foundation of the world, so too were God's elect in him at the foundation of the world. And that's when we were baptized because baptism, again, equals or or really means the washing away of sin. And that's the point when our sins were washed away. And therefore, that's the point of our baptism. But we shall be baptized, future tense, Christ told James and John, with the baptism he is baptized with. That is, Christ was baptized at the foundation of the world. We were baptized at the foundation of the world. Christ demonstrated 
a spiritual baptism, or he demonstrated the washing away of sin, though he bore no sin, and going to the cross in time in 33 AD, we will demonstrate the baptism or the washing away of our sin as we appear before the judgment seat of Christ in time, beginning on May 21, 2011, and all these days thereafter up until now, and, and it very well may continue until 2033. But again, we are following in his steps. We're being made conformable to the image of his suffering and death in order that we be in proper position for the resurrection. Christ, again, rose from the dead. He came up out of hell, the grave at the foundation of the world. He demonstrated his rising, and his rising from the dead occurred on that Sunday morning, early Sunday morning in 33 AD, after the demonstration was completed. And God's elect are, again, appearing, or or Phanaruo, being made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, performing a demonstration. Once the demonstration completes, we will rise up from the dead, because the world has uh, entered into the condition of hell or the grave. It's become a spiritually dark place. Darkness and death are synonymous in the Bible. We're in a world of uh, darkness, so therefore we're in a world that's in the condition of death, or the world that is likened to the grave. It is the condition of hell that God's elect will rise up out of at the completion of the tableau, the completion of our demonstration. And we will, at that point, just as Christ was declared to be the Son of God when he rose from the dead at the foundation of the world, he's the firstborn amongst many brethren. We are the brethren who will thus have completed the chastisement, the scourging that Hebrews 12 speaks of, and therefore qualified to be sons. And we are then declared to be sons of God, children that endured chastisement, children that endured to the end, that came up out of hell just as Christ came up out of hell. Well, all that really is in view in Matthew 25 when Christ comes in his glory, all the holy messengers with him. Now, we should point out that Christ comes with all the saints, all the elect, which includes every one of the great multitude presently alive and living on the earth. And yet, we'll see that that great multitude of elect are also brought before him. Well, how can that be? How can the whole company of the elect, the ten thousands of saints, the, all the holy messengers, come with him and also be brought before him? As we must all appear, Phanaruel, before the judgment seat of Christ. And to appear before, you're, you're brought before him. Well, 
the answer or solution to this is to understand that God waited patiently. That's what James 5 verse 7 told us as the husbandman waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he waited patiently. He was long-suffering. Second Peter 3.15 tells us that long, we can account that long-suffering is salvation. That is, while God waited, there is a reason and a purpose. He patiently held back his wrath from destroying mankind because there were still people to be saved. But the message of the Bible is that the last one of the elect became saved just prior to May 21, 2011. And then when that last individual, whose name was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, heard the gospel, God sparked a, a new heart within that individual. And, and then all whose names were written had been found and safely brought into the kingdom of God. Then the husbandman has gathered all the precious fruit. He's received the early and latter rain. There's no more rain to come. And now he acts. Now he's no longer long-suffering or patient. We should not be deceived into thinking because we see no physical wrath that God is still long-sufferingly patient at this time. He is not. The world is under the wrath of God, the punishment of God, and that day of wrath began on May 21, 2011, when God acted to shut the door of heaven, and with shutting the door, he closed up all possibility for salvation forevermore for every unsaved individual in the world. And and that's why Revelation 22 speaks of this time and says, Let the righteous be righteous still, and the filthy be filthy still. That is the spiritual condition of every person in all the world is established. It cannot be changed anymore. Men will seek death, identification with the death of Christ, and not find it. There is no more possibility for salvation. Once the door shut on the ark, no one else entered in. The The, the only um, thing after that was waiting for the waters to rise to destroy all with the breath of life. Not even an animal entered in after God shut them in. God took action. He shut the spiritual door of heaven, an invisible door men could never see while it was open and cannot see now while it's closed. But the Bible tells us that's what took place. God has begun to actively judge all the world. And he could only do this because all of the saints, ten thousands of them, the complete number of all the elect, have been gathered. They have uh, experienced salvation. And that's why the Bible uses this imagery 
of Christ coming with ten thousands of his saints, or of the Lord Jesus coming on a white horse, and the armies of heaven riding along on white horses with him. It's why Christ comes with the holy messengers. It, it's here in Matthew 25, and that same language is found in Revelation 14, verse 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels or messengers and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. Or, more correctly, because there is no eternal place of suffering, there is no place of hell, that that is, that God will create and man will experience um, stripes forevermore. We've, we've been corrected by the Bible. That doesn't exist, but God works out his judgment, pours out his wrath in time on the earth. That's what we learned. And so it's done in the presence of the holy messengers. Are God's elect living on the earth at this time? The answer is yes. Has God begun to judge the inhabitants of the earth? And the answer is yes. According to the Bible, Judgment Day started on May 21, 2011, and it's being accomplished. It's being performed by God in the midst of a great multitude that he saved, and therefore in the presence of the holy messengers. And this will continue, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up, not for ever and ever, but to ever and ever, to the point of eternity future. And that is, God will continue to punish the wicked all the way up until the end of the world, until the last day. That's the point of eternity future. Because once God destroys the world, the, the whole universe, the whole entire creation that has seen corruption, then he brings his people into eternity where they will dwell forevermore. It's the point of eternal future. And so the smoke of their torment goes up to that point, to ever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. What would be another way of saying they have no rest? What does rest identify with in the Bible? Sabbath rest identifies with salvation. Or Christ said, uh, come unto me and I will give you rest for your soul. It, it relates to salvation. But day and night, day and night, and we know there's a period of days in those days after that tribulation in which the sun is darkened, the moon is not giving its light, and so forth. Day and night, there is no rest, no salvation available or possible for the unsaved people of the earth. 
And, and so they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image. All this language fits perfectly with our understanding of the spiritual judgment which began on May 21, 2011. And, and so God's elect come with Christ in the sense that he could not begin to be the judge of the earth until he had saved the last one. So it is the completeness of their salvation. It is the ten thousands of saints' salvation that allows God to take action to shut the door, to begin the punishment process that will play out over the prolonged day of judgment. Therefore, all God's elect are with Christ as he comes in judgment, but we can also be those of us that are still living on the earth. Of course, many of God's elect have physically died and they're with Christ and their soul existence in heaven awaiting the day of resurrection. But for all that are alive and remaining on the earth, we can also be brought before him to make an appearance, that manifestation, before his judgment seat. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.